This podcast was made possible by the Arts and Humanities Research Council, Manchester Metropolitan University, and the International Anthony Burgess Foundation in Manchester. Burgess Foundation Podcast Episode 7 Belly's Bible for Blasphemers. This episode of the Burgess Foundation podcast explores Anthony Burgess's translations of the sonnets of Giuseppe Giacchino Belli. Belli was a 19th century Roman poet. Famous in Italy, Belli is well known for the sheer volume of his writing, having written over 2,000 sonnets in Romanesco, the language of the Roman streets. His work is also known for its often provocative style and content. 71 Belli sonnets form the appendix to Burgess's 1977 book Abba Abba, the first half of which stages a fictional meeting between Belly and the dying John Keats. The following podcast discusses who Belly was and what his appeal was to Burgess. It also maps out the creative evolution of Burgess's translations using original audio footage from the archives at the Burgess Foundation in Manchester. Belly was born in 1791 and died in 1863. The poems for which he eventually became famous were published after his death. The Russian writer Nikolai Gogol is said to have seen Belly perform in Rome and admired him greatly. Belly is closely associated with the Roman district of Trastevere, where there is still a statue commemorating him to this day. The statue's inscription reads from the people of Rome to their poet G.G. Belly. Burgess himself writes of Belly that he left great verse unto a little clan, a line taken from one of Keats's letters. Burgess himself had an apartment in the Trastevere district on the Piazza di Santa Sicilia, and he continued to emphasise the Trasteverine provenance of the poems in his translations. Burgess admired the way that Belly's poetry combined blasphemous conceit with, in Burgess's own words, rock-bottom realism. Right of the pillar. Stripped naked like a candidate for slavery, lashed to a post, Jesus, from head to feet, beaten by bastards who knew how to beat, yielded his flesh to graduates in knavery. No spot was spared. He ended an unsavory blue-green vermilion chunk of dirty meat, the sort that's bought the cats and dogs to eat, from fly-buzzed butcher's barrows in Trust Avery. In later life, Belly worked as a Vatican censor, a fact which seems to lie in stark contrast to the often blasphemous quality of his poetry. The poems are panoramic in their scope, satirising both the lives and hypocrisies of the clergy as well as everyday Roman life at street level. Burgess himself suggests that his own translations 
are written in English with a Manchester accent to correspond to Belly's Roman. Martha and Mary. Martha said, Christ, I'm full up rigged at Scupper with Mary there. She belted out her stricture. Rolls raised masses, it fair makes you sick to your stomach. Stages at cross, I'm real fed up. A cart horse I am, harness, neck and crupper, while she does not. About time this horse kicked you right in the middle of your holy picture, Mary. Go on, now say it. What's for supper? Martha, oh Martha, sighed the blessed saviour. You've no call to get mad at her behaviour. She's on the right road and you're out of luck. Right road, aye, said Martha. Why, if I went on like her, this house would be a sty. And she'd not see the right road for the muck. While Belly's poems include both social and political criticism, Burgess restricts himself, he writes, to those that dealt with religious themes and gave full scope to the employment of the blasphemy of the Roman gutters. This is the poem La Creazione d'Armano, introduced and read by Dr Nicoletta di Chiola at Manchester Metropolitan University in the original Romanesco. So a few observations on this poem that was written in Terni in Umbria in 1831. And the poem is inspired by one of the most famous episodes in Genesis, which is the creation of the world, which, however, in this particular instance, becomes almost a story um, um, to be told to an audience, a story which goes through the sift of Romanness, if you like. Um, there are a number of very clear indications of the Roman flavour that the poet gives to this biblical episode. And I think the most important of them is the, the um, frame of reference that he uses, the, the metaphorical frame of reference, which is drawn from food. Um, so the, the, the world becomes something that is that God shapes out of dough, dough that was already there, and which is round and uh, big like a watermelon that uh, like those that are typically sold on the sides of little streets in Trastevere or anywhere in, in Italy in the summer and that people taste before they buy um so there is there is food um in that the world is compared to a watermelon but there's the apple, of course, uh, which becomes the big bone of contention and the one that generates the the the, the wrath, provokes the wrath of, of, of Jesus Christ, in fact, not God, um, in this poem. Um, the other thing that is immediately noticeable is the, shall we call it, the theological fallacy of the creation of the world being attributed to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christo, here instead of God. And um, this provides perhaps um, an anthropomorphic or contributes to the anthropomorphic flavour of this poem where it is a man, Jesus, who um, makes the world but like any man is also extremely irascible and uh, it, it kind of um, reacts with rage and and cursing his creation at the end of the poem because they've disobeyed him. So he's prone to bouts of anger, as we see at the end of the second stanza, and particularly the fourth stanza. And he's also unreasonable, um, as we see in the, at the end of the third stanza, when he, he forbade Adam and Eve to touch an apple. So we don't know why, it's just this prohibition that suddenly springs out. Um, what we also see is a complete 
lack of faith in the possibility of redemption, which is contrary to the teachings of the Catholic Church. There is no hope for mankind that we see in this poem, um, because in the final stanza, and after Adam and Eve have uh, disobeyed him, Jesus Christ says, Omini da venisite fututi, those of you who will come afterwards, so the rest of you, the descendants of Adam and, Adam and Eve, you are screwed. So there is no possibility for you, no possibility of salvation. La creazione del mondo. L'anno che Gesù Cristo impastò il mondo, che per impastarlo già c'era la pasta, verde lo volse fa, grosso e ritorno, all'uso d'un cocomero de tasta. Fece un sole, una luna e un mappamonno, ma delle stelle poi di una catasta. Su uccelli, bestie in mezzo e pesci in fondo. Piantò le piante e dopo disse, abbasta. Mi scordavo di dire che creò l'uomo e con l'uomo la donna, Adamo e Eva. E gli proibì di non toccare un pomo. Ma appena che a Magnale ebbe veduti, strillò per Dio con quanta voce aveva. Omini da venì, siete fottuti. The poem itself is a rendition of a passage from Genesis. The poem can be found in both editions of Belly that Burgess owned. The first edition contains a chronological arrangement of all of Belly's sonnets in three large volumes. Burgess's copy bristles with bookmarks made from serviettes taken from trattorias, receipts and silver cigarette packet foil. In Abba Abba, the Belly translations are attributed to a Manchester man named J.J. Wilson. This character is a thinly disguised Burgess, who himself was born John Anthony Burgess Wilson in Manchester, only a year apart from the fictional translator. Lacking the facility to speak Romanesco, Wilson employs Susanna Roberti, a countergirl in the New York office of Alitalia. Susanna Roberti is herself based on the real Susan Roberts, who was at the time employed to look after Burgess's son Andrea. Here is a recording of Susan Roberts reading one of her translations of the poem The Creation of the World at the Burgesses' home in Bracciano near Rome. La creazione del mondo. The young Jesus Christ needed the world, already having the wherewithal to need it. He chose to make it big and round and green, like a melon the street vendor offers you to taste. He made a sun, a moon, and a globe, one of each. But he made the stars in bulk by heaven. He put birds up on high, beasts in the middle, and fish down below. He planted the plants, and then said, enough. I was forgetting to mention that he created man, and along with man, woman, Adam and Eve. And he forbade them ever to touch a single apple. But as soon as he had seen them eat one, by God didn't he shout, right at the top of his voice, Unborn men, now you fucking had it. Robert's literal translations of the belly sonnets were written in prose on Alliance legal pad. The first batch of these sonnets has been torn out, as the pad's perforated spine attests. Passed on to Burgess, he then made his first versifications of the texts in a small yellow notebook. The notebook is in fact a calendar diary, and the first few entries include detailed descriptions of the tribulations of a visit from the mother-in-law 
and Burgess's success in having made a meringue. It's not long, though, before he gives up the diary and begins to use the book for early drafts of the belly sonnets. In the following recording, Burgess's translation of The Creation of the World still contains strong similarities with the draft version in the Yellow Notebook. Bible for Blasphemers, translations of the poems of Belly. The Creation of the World. One day the master baker buckled to and baked, so say the very best religions, this loaf the world, though atheist collegians say it's a melon and the thing just grew. He made one sun, moon, map of green and blue, but chucked stars wild like breadcrumbs for the pigeons, set birds up, beasts down, fish in nether regions, planted his plants, then yawned, aye, that will do. No, wait, he'd baked two fancy bits of bread called people, I forgot to mention it, so he could yell, don't bite that right round red pie filling there. Of course, the buggers bit. Though mad at them, he turned on us instead and said, Posterity, you're in the shit. The creation of the world was submitted to the spectator, but no evidence of their having published it has emerged so far. Burgess also put together submissions for other publications. His repeated attempts at placing these poems suggests the desire for a standalone volume. One of his early translation drafts has on it a sketch of a book cover. An arm points to the name Anthony Burgess surrounded by the flames of hell. The book title reads, Belly's Bible for Blasphemers. The Creation of the World eventually appeared in the Malahat Review and the magazine Translation. The poem also came to open the sequence of 71 sonnets that form part two of the book Abba Abba. In his autobiography, Burgess suggests that the novella which precedes the poems was written as a vehicle for the translations. The translations, writes Burgess, cunning critics saw with the justification for the first half. The reception was mixed. Martin Amos complained of lazy rhymes not fun to read. Tom Paulin wrote that the translations were disappointing. On the other hand, others have admired the sonnets for their consistent use of and loyalty to the Petrarchan form, valued so highly by Belly himself. Burgess writes that Belly ceases to be Belly when he ceases to be Roman. My hope is that my feeble efforts at translating him may draw a few people to him in his native dress and habitat. Burgess finally signed off on the poems by staging a reading of them at the American Academy in Rome. This was meant as a farewell to the city before moving to Monaco. The Italian voice actor Mario Maranzana provided a rendition of the originals. The Burgess Foundation has in its possession a home recording structured along similar lines. Liana Burgess reads the Italian, Robert her prose translation and Burgess his versification. The recording contains only the first nine poems of Belly's Bible for Blasphemers, of which the first mouthful, later published as Greed, is the final one. The poem demonstrates everything Burgess valued in Belly's poetry, from its humour to its harsh indictment of religious hypocrisy. While Burgess seems to have ended the Belly project after the publication of Abba Abba, the translations and articles he leaves behind leave little doubt about his assertion that the discovery of Belly in Rome was one of the major revelations of his later life.
cried, snaring skyward, avarice, shrieking, brutal, witnessing lust or anger, one red roar. No, Brussels, the fifth sin, was the first. From Adam, burst a famine and a thirst for a wormy apple offered by a whore, a penny picking. God has rammed its core down all our throats, a canker of the curse. That bitch, that blackguard, God, I gave a gust as I contemplate the green that sort of cast those into the houses. Headers rather to final fire. But our ingenious masters are quick to cancel us the causes upwards. And to this end, kindly became a father.